Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? This whole party. Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with D&D? I know you're saying to yourself, that's not Chris talking, that's Sean. And that's true. It is Sean. Uh, Chris has been under the weather. So I am joined, as I am almost never joined on a podcast, <laughs> by the jaunty, jovial, and judicious James Introcaso. <laughs> Welcome, James. Oh, thank you. Jaunty. Uh, that is uh, the best adjective uh, that has ever been used to describe me. So thank you the, very much. You're, you're uh, kind of... It's awesome to be here. Uh, I, that is why I have poisoned Chris. Uh, <laughs> and now I have come to uh, to down with D&D. Thank you for having me, Sean. Oh, it's my pleasure. Believe me. And so in case anyone doesn't know who James is, despite us talking about James probably every other week, if not every week. <laughs> uh, James is the host of Tabletop Babble on the Don't Split the Podcast Network. He was a contributor to the last two D&D hardcover books, uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist and Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. He's a prolific Guild Adept creator and any award-winning blogger with the, his World Builder blog, the co-creator of Roll20's Burn Bright game, a streamer of the Demon Plague podcast, his actual play uh, stream of his own Demon Plague campaign. And I'm sure there's more, but we're going to stop there because we only have about 45 minutes. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. I uh, I am exhausted now uh, because I did not realize I did all of those things. Um, but uh, it's wonderful to be here with you, Sean, because uh, in comparison, I have only done uh, like a one hundredth of the things that you do on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, that is why. I am. I can only fill the shoes of Chris Nizak just once mm -hmm. uh, before he comes back, gotcha. uh, because he has the same work ethic as you, Sean Merwin. Well, if if my list is longer, it's only because I'm fabulously old. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree. Disagree. You are fabulous, ah. uh, but not old. Not old, my friend. <laughs> so what we are going to do is the same thing that we always do on Down with D&D. We're going to go through some news and announcements, and then we are going to get to a main topic. And having James on, I thought it would be a great time to talk about working on projects with a team, because I know Ooh. that James uh, has done that as well as myself, including many projects that we've worked on together. So I exactly. thought we could maybe, you know, wrap a bit about what that's like, what are some pitfalls and so on. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, something you and I sort of talk about uh, at least on a weekly basis, if not on a daily basis, together in various Slack channels and things. This so, is true. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's exciting to share it in front of uh, a crowd of listeners. So, and I do want to say, Sean, uh, just before we get cruising, like, really, thank you. Down with D and D is one of my favorite podcasts ever. So, it is a real treat to be here. Well, I I appreciate that. Thank you. So, the first announcement is something that may have slipped when someone asked for volunteers. Mm. Thomas Valley, who is a noted um, contributor to Gamehole Con and Gary Con, especially on the Adventures League side of things, put out a call for 
GMs and DMs and volunteers at the next game hall con. And in his missive where he was asking for volunteers, he mentioned that there would be new uh, adventures and new a new epic for the Adventurers League in a, quote, as yet announced setting. So I think what he meant was as yet unannounced setting. But that, mm-hmm. of course, hit the wire, went up onto EN World, and speculation started to run rampant. A, that there was a new setting coming out at all. And B, what exactly that setting would be. And I think it's important mm-hmm. to say here that people started to take his his um, message out of context because he is talking about Adventures League specifically. So when he right. talks about a new setting, he may just be talking about a new setting for Adventures League, not necessarily a new setting being released. Um, and he also told everyone that he ran all of this text past uh, Chris Lindsay at Wizards. So this wasn't something that uh, he just put out there and then went whoops. Uh, every, every Everybody at Wizards knew that he was going to be doing this. So, you know, and it's fun to watch the speculation roll as everyone's favorite <laughs> setting suddenly becomes all the clues that are out there. Well, it, you know, on pages 47 of... Uh, you know, Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. They mention this NPC that was once in a Ravenloft book, so it's got to be Ravenloft again. And you know, so all of that, all of that happens. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's fun to speculate, right? Part of the fun of the hobby is 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 thinking about what could be next and why. And so I I kind of got a little chuckle about it. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, like this close to creating a. Uh, brown paper board with yarn and <laughs> photographs and, you know, pages pulled out of core rule books and older rule books and stuff like with lines attached and, you know, um, the, the words like uh, spell jamming helm and uh, obelisks and mistara and all kinds of other stuff written across this board. Uh, so I, I definitely understand the fun, but I do think it is important to understand the context because um, when I first read it, it sounded like, you know, someone had gotten Thomas Valley drunk and, <laughs> uh, you know, squeezed secrets out of him and had leaked them all over the internet and it really is this is uh an official announcement that i think is definitely meant to tease and entice uh because it is really hard to get dungeon masters on board for events sometimes which is why they do things like give away free hotel rooms and free badges and things like that uh this is also another way uh, and a great way to get dungeon masters involved because hey you know, maybe you'll get uh, a sneak peek at some of these adventures and, and what Wizards is doing with, uh, you know, a new AL setting before it happens. Right. So that would be pretty cool. And I believe James and I will both be at Game Hole Con to maybe mm-hmm. partake in that. Yes. Excellent. Yes, definitely. So, uh, and who knows? Maybe we'll be doing other things uh, like panels together at Game Holcon. We're still figuring it out. That, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So, mm-hmm. if you haven't gone to Game Holcon or if you're just hearing about Game Holcon for the first time, this is turning into one of the big conventions that Wizards attends each and every year. Um, most of the Wizards staff attends. Uh, Gaming is great. Uh, they run a very good show. Lots of industry guests, lots of panels. 
um, lots of mingling. I believe last year I was stuck in the in the AL Hall all day on Saturday, but you know Matt Mercer was walking around with a big crowd following him, and uh, <laughs> I don't think Joe Manganiello was there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean. He, I've heard rumors that he might be or that he was supposed to or something. But anyway, it's it's a big show. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's it's growing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this will be my first game, Holcon. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what it's all about uh, because I keep hearing more and more things. So I could not resist mm-hmm. the siren call this year of go. Game Holcon. Mm-hmm. Speaking of large uh, conventions... Next is PAX East is happening this coming weekend, and there is a lot of D&D happening. Uh, Adventures League Gaming will be running every day starting at 11 a.m., Thursday through Sunday. Live streams going nonstop, it seems like. Dice Camera Action, Acquisitions Incorporated, of course. Um, Rollout Live from Up, Up, Down, Down with the WWE Superstars Xavier Woods, Ember Moon, and Tyler Breeze, as well as NXT superstar Brennan Williams, all playing D&D in front of a live audience for the very first time ever. Wow. That That's uh, a... <laughs> yeah, that should be under... Uh, I saw uh, Xavier at PAX South, and he stepped right... This was the first time he'd been up on stage you know, with mm-hmm. Penny, with Penny Arcade, with with Acquisitions Incorporated, and he didn't miss a beat. It was hilarious. It was fun. Um, obviously, a born entertainer. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things right about pro wrestlers is they understand how to play to a camera and also entertain a live audience mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, which is a really hard thing to do, uh, and is a thing. You need to be able to do if you're going to stream at a big convention like yeah. PAX. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. That should be very exciting. So we'll see how that goes. Also, there are Rivals of Waterdeep and, of course, the Acquisitions Incorporated C team will be streaming. Um, of course. Tons of panels, if you are into the mm-hmm. panels, of course. Um, the one that's most interesting to me for reasons that will become obvious is the <laughs> Thursday at 2 uh, p.m., panel mm-hmm. penny arcade acquisitions incorporated D manual announcement extravaganza panel spectacular so this is going <laughs> to be them talking a little bit more about their D manual uh, on the panel mm-hmm. is jerry holkins of course and jeremy crawford from wizards uh, mike Rahulik, and producer Alyssa grant talking about the debut of the official D acquisitions incorporated book that will soon be unleashed awesome. upon the world now, Sean, uh, I don't know if you know, but you helped write this book. This is correct. Uh, and I am super looking forward to this. Uh, will you be at PAX East? I will not. Other things oh, came no. up in my life. I could not be at PAX East. But if it is released, if the book is released at any other conventions around the same time, I will be at those. Excellent. Yep. Well, that I am uh, really, really excited to... Uh, to hear about this and and check it out, and I know you cannot reveal uh, what is in the book mm-hmm. uh, or what you have worked on, um, but I do have one question, which is: uh, Is it as fun as it sounds? It was one of the first projects where I would sit there writing and I would just start laughing and not being able to stop, <laughs> either reading what I wrote or reading what Teos uh, Abadia, one of the other lead writers on the project, wrote. 
just super fun. So hopefully it will, you know, it will be a book that speaks to everyone, whether you're an Acquisitions Incorporated fan or a hardcore D&D fan who has no idea what Acquisitions Incorporated is. Hopefully there will be something in there for everyone. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I can't wait. Uh, so this is going to be super exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Speaking of looking forward to it, there is a new editor full-time at Wizards of the Coast for D&D, um, F. Wesley Schneider, who I think believe goes mm-hmm. as Wes, um, worked previously at Paizo. And if I'm not mistaken, other than Jeremy Crawford, he is going to be the first full-time editor, not freelance editor or part-time editor, but full-time editor that they've had there in quite a while. I think that speaks well to the volume of content that they that is passing through D&D at this point. Yeah, definitely. And he, you know, uh F Wesley Schneider has chops. Mm, oh yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been he's been working uh he worked at Paizo right in 2003, started on Dragon Magazine uh and worked there all the way up until 2017. So, um you know, he has uh, quite a few books and titles and magazine articles and things like that under his belt and uh it's great to see that sort of professionalism joining the Watsi team and it's good for us uh, because like you said it definitely means uh, there's probably more stuff coming that you know there's a volume of stuff that's going to be made in house uh that needs more editors yeah. which is great yep yeah. from my experience with the hiring practices of wizards they don't just hire someone because they need someone they, mm-hmm. if they go through a bunch of people and they don't find someone who they think fits the bill, they will not hire anyone and go through another round of interviews. So just that, just being hired by wizards usually means that you pretty much know what you're doing. And absolutely, with all the books I've seen uh, with Wes's name on them, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that I'm very excited for him to be looking over my work at some point. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> and the last, oh, not the last thing, the penultimate thing I want to talk about is a new Kickstarter from Alligator Alley. Um, this yes. is an adventure and source book called Tales and Tomes from the Forbidden Library. It's a fifth edition D&D product from Gregory A. Wilson with contributions from many speculative fiction and RPG designers. Um, it was originally presented at the Gen Con Writer Symposium as a series of adventures, and now it's going to be released through this Kickstarter as an adventure for uh, characters levels 1 to 3. That's the core of the book. But it also is going to detail a metric ton of books and tomes that are found within the library. Uh, from grimoires to spells to weaponry manuals, from atlases of vanished lands to bestiaries cataloging legendary fauna to fragments of lore, poetry, and art, and everything in between. And um, from what I've seen, they are tapping many, many, many writers and gaming uh, designers to create these books. The, The list continues to grow as the Kickstarter goes on. And it looks like it's going to be a really cool product. This is one of those products where, you know, even if you don't aren't interested in the adventure, and I would be, and I am, but if even if you're not, all of these books are going to have so much um, input into what you could put into your world. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there are so many incredible, amazing uh, people on this, and it's exciting to see. First of all, I always love to see new level one adventures mm-hmm. because it's another starter set, right? right? It's another way to get people in the door, and this source book has all kinds of people, including uh, Sean the Marvelous Mad Wizard Merwin um, and uh, Jaunty James and Chicasso mm-hmm. uh, are uh, are also on this, but there's so many uh, Darcy Ross, Ashley Warren, Ed Greenwood, like there's so many really, really great names here. Ken Height. And yeah, Ken Height. Yeah. You know, people who you don't always see their name on Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is huge for me. Um, one of the things that we did in. Uh, in Dragon Heist is there's all these bookshelves because it's in a city and mm-hmm. sometimes you're in a library or you're in somebody's personal stock of books or whatever. And originally uh, it got cut for space, but uh, I had created like a library book generator. So mm-hmm. if your players were to uh, pull a book off the wall, you would have a title for the book. And, you know, maybe you could use that in some way. And ob- it's obvious why, right? It got cut for space because like right. not the most necessary thing. But – this is not only going to give you that, but it's going to give you like the you know the the sort of abbreviated contents, uh, the condensed contents of what's in that book and how players and their characters can use that information and stuff. This is a resource I cannot wait to get my hands on. And knowing the D and D community, a really imaginative DM could take one of those books and create a whole campaign mm-hmm. from it. Absolutely. So you know that's the kind of thing that I love to see. So that Kickstarter is up and going right now. So you can go find it. Uh, go to Kickstarter and search for Tales and Tomes from the Forbidden Library. Now, awesome. the last news I wanted to talk about was up on the DMs Guild. Uh, something I haven't talked about yet is more grave. Mis- I can't say this word. Miscellany. <laughs> Thank you. More yes. grave miscellany. Uh, this is the much-anticipated supplement to Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, coming to you from co-authors Keith Baker and Rudy Rutenberg, that will breathe more life into your Eberron campaign setting. It's 164 pages, giving you the information you need to delve deeper into your Eberron story or character. Deep dives into Corvair, the Demon Waste, the Lazar Principalities, and a plethora of intrigue and noir story hooks in between. So if you want new subclasses and races, racial feats, new forms of dragon marks, and so much more, you can go to the DMs Guild and look for more Grave Miscellany. Yeah, this is a really great supplement. Um, And I think there's a lot of things in here that will delight Eberron fans, and there's a lot of stuff in here that's new. You know, Keith and Rudy have been dedicated to putting together stuff that isn't necessarily in books that you already have on your shelf, right? True. Um, And so there's some, uh, just some really cool stuff here. You've got all sorts of uh, subclass options, but then you've got these cool new races too mm-hmm. uh, like i i could do a whole podcast just about dragon forge yes. sean yep um yeah real incredible stuff with really great story baked in um and as well as some really great advice about running noir campaigns and you know some mechanics for that uh and there's also uh sean there's an author who contributed to this named uh, Sean Merwin. Do you know this guy? Never heard of him. 
<laughs> I wrote a couple of the zero level adventures, so I did not work on a bulk of the book. Uh, that was principally the the bailiwick of Keith and Rudy, um, you know, who mm-hmm. who like you said really have poured their heart and souls into this. Um, going back to the Wayfarer's Guide and then moving moving on to this book, and you know, people have asked, uh, you know, is this a wizard's product? No, it is not. Wayfire, Wayfinder's Guide was. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is something that Rudy and Keith have been working on since then. Uh, but still, you know, Keith created the the the, uh, the world, kind of, and Rudy has been <laughs> living in this this world, you know, through his live streams and through his own games for for years now. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's you know it's real, especially if you're an Eberron fan. This is a great way to bring some new lore uh, and some new mechanics into your game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely uh, clearly a passion project, um, you know, and it is as close to canon as one gets without being yeah. officially, officially sanctioned by WotC, right? right. Uh, so, yeah, it is uh, – if if you love Eberron or I would say even if you're like, I never really liked Eberron, this is cool to check out because it's a, a different uh, view of Eberron. And Keith's written a lot about on it. Uh, uh, Keith has written a lot about this product on his blog mm-hmm. as well, and there's all sorts of uh, reviews that have gone up on big websites and stuff, so it's easy to get some an idea of what this is uh, before you buy. Yep. Uh, but at fourteen ninety five, I think it's a steal. Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that was the news and announcements portion, and now we can get on with our main topic, which is yes. creating with a team. So... I get a lot of questions about what does it take to be a freelancer or how do I break into the industry? And I've heard people give advice on blogs and on podcasts and in seminars, but I've really never heard anyone talk specifically about working with a team in this field. Um, I have a daughter who is about to graduate from high school and her and her friends talk about how much they hate group projects, right? Because (laughs) someone always falls through. Someone always doesn't show up or someone does poor work and it shows badly for the whole team well guess what kids life is a group project (laughs) and if you and if you are creating uh D products there's a good chance that you are working at in some way with at least one or two or possibly 20 or 50 other people and james and i have both worked on many projects uh over the last Mm -hmm. six seven years uh fifth edition with teams. So I really wanted to pick James's brain and and break down some of this to give the best advice possible on, you know, if you are trying to get into the industry, it always helps to to share your work. It always helps to have to never create alone. And so, you know, we wanted to share some of these things. Starting with our own experiences and then breaking it down into, you know, caveats and and joys and concerns and pitfalls and so on uh, so james we've yes. worked on D opens together we've worked on mm-hmm. gilded Depth products together we've worked on al adventures together uh, you have a podcast network uh you yes. stream mm-hmm. all of that requires a team Yes. <laughs> yeah, it uh it really does. Um and 
I think this is one of those things where, you know, you have worked on all of these things as well. You've podcasted. We've worked on, like you said, all of the AL and Guild Adept and Opens and things like that together. And it is essential, right, to creating a product um, that you are able to work with other people. Uh, And, I mean... I think, Sean, one thing that I can say, right, is that one of the things that I think as I have learned as I've gone on, it's more desirable to me to work with people who, like, hit deadlines and turn in things that they have thoroughly vetted for typos and have worked hard on to make sure it makes sense than it is that I'm working with uh, you know, someone who is brilliant, but then lacking in that capacity, right? right. Um, uh, because I feel like, and I, I have learned a lot from people who gave me a chance, right? Uh, you actually uh, gave me a chance to write one of my very first uh, Adventures League adventures, which was uh, the Bald Man Games, um, you know, core adventures that we were working on. Mm-hmm. Tales of Good and Evil was one that I worked on a while back. Yep. Uh, and I learned a lot from working with you. Uh, and I know that my ability to write an adventure is not, you know, was not what it was that three, four maybe years ago uh, compared to what it is now because I've done it more. I've written a lot more. But something has kept us working together, uh, and it's not my good looks. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> No, and, um, and I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head with that is – you know, talent and creativity and imagination is essential and it's great to have. But if mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to work with a team, you are not going to get very far unless you are, you know, the Da Vinci of game design mm-hmm. where you can do layout and you can do editing and you can do marketing and you can do art and you can do all of that. And I'm sure that there are people out there who do it and do it well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's great. But I would say they're they are the one percent, uh, as opposed to yeah. the ninety nine percent who do count on a team to to get things done, and in, in life, in our own jobs, in school, wherever you know we spend a good amount of time, we have that experience with dealing with people, and so mm-hmm. that's something that even if you're not a game designer, you can still look at the relationships, the professional relationships you have, and say. If you know, if I do game design, what have I learned in my regular life that can help me? Right. Absolutely. To, you know, taking criticism, um, hitting your deadlines, being able to disagree with someone politely, and yet yes. yet still you know get your point across. All of those things are super important, and you don't have to be a game designer to do them. Although there are specific things in game design that you probably need to know in order to do it well within this realm. Totally, totally. And one of the things that I think is a big part of it is you and I work together. um, You know, we bring a lot of the same sort of game design skills, right? We're both Mm -hmm. writers. We're both game designers. uh, We both have some experience editing and that sort of thing. Um, So, uh, but... I do think that even if you can do it all, uh, there is benefit to working with other people, which is that we together create something that 
we would never have thought of on our own individually, right? True. Um, and I, I feel that when I work with, like, when I worked with you and Will on the Open uh, last year, right, there was this sense of every idea brought another idea mm-hmm. from someone else. And we built on it until it became this, you know, um, crazy heist adventure with a series of things that could go wrong that was really very fun, uh, but difficult to work on, uh, especially individually, it would be, you know, it would be really hard to think of like, hey, here's five individual heists leading up to one really big heist. Like you're after the first heist, I'm done. I'm out of ideas, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. it's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and in that, in that whole milieu, there was also needing pre-generated characters that fit into the world, into the adventure itself. So, you know, so you worked on a lot of that, you know, and mm-hmm. th- there was, there was this, the mapping and the art, that aspect, which Will is amazing at, of course. Yes. And yes. Thank goodness for Will Doyle, right? <laughs> and so it, it it's it's about knowing, I, with all due uh, apologies to The Rock, it's about knowing your role mm-hmm. and, 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 being, <laughs> and being able to fulfill that in a way that doesn't just get the job done, but lifts up the other people around you. And and that's yeah. what I felt like the team we had for that D and D open could could do, um, and it's funny because when we talk about the roles, you, you two had never done an open before, and I had, so yes, when we had our initial meetings, you know, you guys were throwing out all these great ideas, and I quickly learned that what my role was going to be in this, which was the grumpy old man. <laughs> who you know who would say by the way guys you do realize that this is going to you know take place in one room and we have to worry about dms and and how the you know mm-hmm. how we're going to get to tables and you know all of like the logistical stuff and it's it's not necessarily a role that i wanted but mm-hmm. it was a role that was necessary and so I, I stepped into that role and it wasn't glamorous and it, it often, like I said, it made me sound like the grumpy old man. Uh, but, you know, it, that, that is still a role and it is a role that needs to be filled. Yeah, absolutely. And it is uh, it is a role that was invaluable, right? Because I think if it had been people who if we had chased every rabbit we wanted to chase at the beginning, uh, it would have been four or five times the amount of work then because eventually we would have gotten to a point where we said, oh, we can't do this for whatever reason, right? right? Um, And you already knew where those roadblocks were. And the other thing that was great about having you was you also uh, came in and saw where things needed to change, right? You had the past experience of knowing, well, this sort of didn't work great or this in the past was something that was good, but I think we could really improve upon. And that was a big help too because, uh, you know, Will and I didn't necessarily have the knowledge to go in there and say, well, this is what we need to change, right? You had that too, which was really important. Yeah, so I I think we all understood our roles after our initial meetings and we – Again, did them to the best of our ability without limiting what what, what the other people were doing. And mm-hmm. and, that, and that's I think that's important. So, you know, we keep talking about I, I brought up roles. And so 
I really wanted to talk about the different roles that people have when we work on a larger project. Um, and right. you know, so most most people, when they think, okay, I'm going to create a D and D or a, a gaming product, they think about writing it or designing it, right? And that's only the beginning. Uh, yes. When when you are done with that, if it's a large project, the next thing it, that will happen is it will be turned over to a developer. And I'm not talking about yes. an editor. I'm talking about a developer. So th what the developer does is the developer will generally look at your product in terms of the game rules, making sure that it meets the needs, not necessarily of a story, but of the game. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. I think it is one of the most... Uh, cryptic things to many consumers, right? I think people have this idea of, of editors and they know what editors and proofreaders and that sort of thing do. Uh, but the, the developer is a little bit more of a mystery because it is sort of an exclusively game thing, right? It's right. not something we see in other novels or, or textbooks or other published works. Um, we see them in video games, uh, but we don't see them in other forms of the written word. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, the developer is there to make sure everything sort of works well and also works with sort of the, the style of rules too, right? Mm -hmm. Like you might write a perfect... Uh, fifth edition rule, uh, but if the rule is 26 pages, that's not really in the spirit of fifth edition. Either, this is true. Right? This is true. Yep. So, yeah. The, yeah, the developer would then step in to find a way to pare that down um, to to a manageable length. So, so yeah. sometimes, you know, as the as the designer, you write what you're writing, you send it to the developer, the developer will send it back and with all the notes for you to rewrite it. Um, to to fix it in terms of game, then it will go yes. off to generally go off to an editor, and the editor will do what you would assume an editor does, plus a little bit more. Right? They will look for mm -hmm. obviously typos. They will look for grammar. They will look for um, using the correct words in the cor correct way to match the style guide for whatever company you're working for. Um, but they'll also look at it in terms of story and doesn't make sense. And and I, I like to think of an editor. When I'm editing, I like to think both as an editor and as a DM. Um, yes. Especially if it's an adventure. You know, does this make mm -hmm. sense? Is this are the assumptions that the writer is making fit my experience with running, you know, hundreds of tables of D&D? &D? <laughs> um, I once had an adventure where. The adventure began with the character sitting in a tavern, and they see the um, the town guard chase this person past the window. Mm -hmm. The adventure then mm -hmm. assumes that the characters will get up, go outside, fight the guards, rescue the man that they're chasing, and then get the get the hook from him. Wow! And I thought. And and th this was in a you know law abiding area. It wasn't in some sure. crazy yeah. place where the law is gonna... evil, right? It, this was, <laughs> and so you know, so I had to right away send it back to the to the writer to say, you know, your spelling is immaculate, but you, you might want to <laughs> think this 
section through change the beginning so it um so so an editor will will do that as well um you want to yeah. mention anything about editing or editors yeah so so recently sean we worked on a project the tactical maps project that i know you've mentioned on the show mm-hmm. um that uh that you edited uh and i wrote a a significant portion of that book and it was great working with you because you would come back with things and say like uh i have a question about this what was your intent here mm-hmm. what did you mean when you said this what did you... and that is always really helpful because we do get into our own heads too much as writers and we do assume players will take certain paths that they won't necessarily or that don't you know that that set off alarm bells and that's why it's great to have an editor they're sort of you know, one of the first people that looks at your work and says, I didn't write this. Let me see if this makes sense. And could I run this as an adventure or, yep. you know, as a a player, if I was playing a subclass or a character option or that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Now, one, the, uh, many large, large projects will also have a lead editor because they will have mm-hmm. several editors working on the same project. So the lead editor is there to make sure all of the editors have their eyes pointing in the same direction. Um, so if there's a tone that they're looking for, or if they're looking for a certain level of diction uh, in, in the project, the lead editor will keep an eye on all of the editors work to make sure everyone's uh, moving in that direction. Uh, yeah. Then you have, I've, I've seen this role called different things. I've seen it called project manager. I've seen it called producer, uh, but they are generally the person who is wrangling everyone, keeping everyone to the timeline, uh, making sure everyone has the resources they need to do their job, uh, managing any problems that, that come up. Uh, this is this is a hard job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think on the tactical maps project, you fit into that project manager producer role. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not, it's not easy when you're working with even six or seven people sometimes. Yeah. Even, and even when all of those people are people who do get their stuff in on time and are good writers who double check everything. And, you know, it is, uh, this is always the person who, when you were in school on the group project is like, Oh, I feel like I'm doing all the work. I think, uh, you know, that is, um, that's a, a hard job, and often they, uh, in the world of creating RPG products, they sometimes fit into one of these other roles, mm-hmm. right? They might be uh, a developer or a, a designer or an editor or that sort of thing, and um, you know, it's often because they want to see the project come about, so they're willing to put in the work. Now, that's not to say there are many times that a producer or a project manager will have that role uh, just because they enjoy that role, mm-hmm. right? They enjoy doing that kind of thing. Um, and there are full-time people who are Wizards of the Coast producers, right? They have in-house producers who who do this kind of stuff all day, every day. This is their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's super invaluable, and I think it's something that gets overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been on projects where uh, we didn't think we needed a project manager, and it always turns into a mess because you need someone who is 
looking at, uh, you know, has that zoomed out view, is looking at the timeline, is looking at everybody's work, and is also formulating a plan B for when, oh, look, we're getting close to the deadline, and, oh, James hasn't started typing anything yet (laughs) into this document, and we may need to have another designer on call. Can we push things back? How's this going to work? Sure. Uh, For encoded designs, Phil Vecchione does all our Mm. project management, even if it's a smaller project. And he is amazing. And yes. as as a designer or editor, whoever, um, I appreciate that so much because if I can spend that extra 15 minutes a day writing or editing where I don't have to track down who's doing what or where the document is or you know where we are in this timeline of what I need to work on next, if I just can click an email or go into a Slack channel and see all right, this is what I need to be working on, saving myself that 15 minutes. That adds up over a week and a month and a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. If that 15 minutes a day gets you an extra hour a week, mm-hmm. that's huge. That's an extra 500 words you've written, right. you know, um, uh, probably more in your case. Uh, that's, you know. <laughs> um, so there's there's all kinds of stuff that, uh, that these people do, uh, and they're like, the most important person to the project, I think. I, I would agree. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have the artists and the art director. This is something that I don't... This is beyond me. This is... <laughs> artists and art directors are magical beings um, mm-hmm. who who make everything beautiful and yes. the world a more colorful place. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, uh, and in fact... I would say if you have a a project and you don't understand art like me or Sean, right, getting a good art director is important because then they'll take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you can you can probably find artists you like. You can probably reach out to them and hire them. But what you may end up getting is a disparate look across your product. which is something people notice, Mm -hmm. even if you don't have an artist's eye, uh, odds are your consumers who are buying these things all the time do. And they'll be like, hey, why does your Medusa look this way in one drawing, but your Medusa looks this other way in another drawing? Or, hey, your map looks like this, Mm -hmm. uh, but the drawing of that building from the outside looks nothing like your map, you know? And an art director has an eye on all of that, which is great. Yep. And it's important even if you're a designer because you, on a big project that's heavy with art, you need to know what the art is going to look like for the reasons James just uh, illuminated because you need to describe something in the book the way that it's going to look in the art. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's something to be said to if you sit down on a project and, oh, it's about, you know, saving a, a, you know, a group of people who get captured by a dragon. Right. Well, if the art looks one way and it's looks like the cover of a metal album that can inform your writing versus if the art looks very cartoony. Right. You you write two different adventures based on how the art looks there Mm -hmm. uh, to match your tone. So, yeah, it goes along with writing uh, in a in a big, big way. And. As a designer, sometimes you get asked to write art orders for the thing you've written, right? That was an amazing um, yeah. experience the first time that happened to me. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but it, w- it was kind of magical in a way to mm-hmm. to say words and then have art appear that were based on the words you said. It, it was... 
it was something I just wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah, it, it is very crazy to see that, and uh, you know that's a, another great skill that uh, comes up, and I'm sure we'll talk about that when we talk about communication. Right? right? Um, is you, I need to communicate with people who I have no idea how they do what they do, right. uh, and that's a, a big thing uh, to to learn how to do. So th- I'm going to just quickly go through the last few, um, sure. even though. They each deserve their own talk. Um, I, I want to get to the rest of the stuff. So you have layout um, artists, graphic designers, mm-hmm. proofreaders, playtesters, and then the printer publisher themselves um, who mm-hmm. all contribute in in important ways to certain projects. Um, and so as, as uh, James mentions, the communication between all those people is super important. And having the right tool for the right job in communication can make a huge difference. Uh, so what tools have you used in your work so far in, in D&D? So in D&D, I have used email. I have used, uh, you know, um, I have definitely used Skype, Hangouts, Slack, Trello, uh, I've used a Basecamp, uh, <laughs> Discord. I've used uh, wikis. I've used Asana, which is a time tracking software. Mm-hmm. Um, there is all kinds of uh, software now that can really help track. Um, Google Docs mm-hmm. is a big one, right? People love to write together in a in a Google Doc, that kind of thing. Uh, Microsoft OneNote, which is essentially Google Docs without Google. Um, so, you know, uh, there's all kinds of uh, uh, shared drives mm-hmm. that you can use, like Dropbox and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, for communication, uh, I think the most important thing – I've used Twitter DM, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is my, the very first uh, – when I was <laughs> – Offered uh, to write for Wizards of the Coast on uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, it was through Chris Perkins Twitter DMing me. Nice. And I was like, is this real? How do I – Do I, is, am I sure this is happening? Um, What's your middle you know, name? But, <laughs> right, right. Exactly, proof, exactly. Proof. So that that's a big thing is um, I think the most important communication tool – is one that everyone agrees to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's really the big thing, uh, is finding what works for your team is the most important thing. I think a lot of these are, are great, and I prefer some over others. You know, we're in Slack all the time, Sean, so yep. that's, a, that's a big one for me. Um, I think email is great. Anything where there's a record of it, I really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I have not figured out Discord. I, like, I'm officially too old to understand how something <laughs> works uh, without getting into it and spending a lot of time on it now. And, yeah. and Discord, I think, is one of those things that I need to really dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, And that's why I think it's important to, like, when you all get together for your first meeting, say, like, we're going to use this. Does anybody have a problem yep. with it? You know, and go from there. Right. And get used to writing in Google Docs or OneNote or any mm-hmm. sort of medium where people can watch you type. Some people, mm-hmm. for some people, that can be a little intimidating. Uh, but it is, su- if if I can look as, as the editor or as the developer or even as the project manager, if I can watch someone type and, and see where they are, it 
is mm-hmm. so much better for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and it really does help you know, right, when you're getting towards that – 11th hour and it's like I haven't seen anything from Sean yet it really helps if if there's a shared Google Doc and I can go in and I see a wall of text I know that Sean is just uh, cleaning things up right Right. Um, but if not then I need to get in touch with Sean I need to hey where are you I need to trust that that's the case right if we've never worked together and I'm getting nervous maybe I don't so it becomes uh, much easier if, if you're fine with Showing everybody the warts and all of your process, mm-hmm. um, that is a huge, huge help. Uh, so losing a little bit of your shame, I think, is a, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, especially when you, you know, when you get into this, you understand like, hey, everybody makes typos. And if you're in a Google Doc and it's the first week and you're just, you know, you've written 7,000 words, but there's a few typos in there. Well, I understand you're probably going to go back and clean it sure, up. Sure, sure. Oh boy! If people were watching me typing, they would not. They would say, "How does this man actually make a living at this?" Because he has spelled every word wrong so far. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. I I know that feeling for sure. <laughs> All right, so I want each of us to give one of the major pitfalls with um, either working as a team or working on a big project. And how you can avoid them, and, mm. and I'll I'll mm. go first. I'll let you I'll let you think. Uh, I'll go first. Gotcha. Um, th- one of the biggest pitfalls for me is when you have your initial meeting. Make sure, wh- whatever your role is, that you know what your what you're doing in that role and what other people are doing, and that they know how to do what they're doing. I think the biggest issue for me is something like if I'm an editor or a project manager and I send someone a template that they need to use for a project because it's going to make the layout person's life much easier to make sure they know how to use that template. Right. Because otherwise, as an editor, I'm tripling the time that I spend on it Mm -hmm. where I could have up front said, hey, let me share my screen and show you how to use this template. Uh, I think, you know, something like that, getting all of that information out there early and make sure everyone on the team knows the tools that they're working with and so on is, is super valuable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, my advice along those lines is also, uh, ask questions and don't be afraid to tell anybody something. Right. So, um, if you hit a point where it's like, oh, I, uh, you know, this didn't come up in our first meeting and I don't know, are we doing this or are we doing that, right? Or uh, don't assume, don't pick a path and say, well, it's probably this and so we'll go with that. Immediately ask, right? Before you go down a path that's going to then cause everybody to say, oh, we really wish you had gone down path B instead of path A. Um, and now you've got to rewrite stuff and now you're the bottleneck, right? Everybody's waiting on you because without your words, it can't go to layout. It can't mm-hmm. be proofread. It can't be edited, all that kind of stuff. So like that's uh, that's the first thing. And, it, and if something is unclear – Ask the question because somebody else might have that question too. Yeah. Um, and so it is a chance to, to do that. Uh, and, you know, 
always, if you have an idea, say, hey, here's my question. Here's how I would solve it. That's even better, right? Because you're presenting a solution uh, that maybe no one has thought about. And that's great. Um, and then the other thing I would say is sometimes, especially with new writers or if you're working on a project with someone you don't know, there's this factor of people get afraid mm -hmm. to come forward and say, I am going to be late with my work or mm -hmm. there's a chance this could could happen and or I don't know what I'm doing and I need help. Mm -hmm. You know, when when you're afraid to ask that those things or provide that information, that's all going to come out eventually, mm -hmm. right? Um, that is all stuff that it will, you'll look at something and say, Oh, this person had no idea what they were doing or, Oh, I wish you had told me you didn't have the time to do this. Uh, cause I could have found someone else to, to help out. Like that information is always appreciated mm -hmm. when it is dropped as soon as it can be. And it is really not as big a deal probably as you think it is provided it gets nipped in the butt. Yeah. I, I can't stress what James just said enough. When I first mm -hmm. started you know, writing for bigger publishers, I was that person who had the question but was afraid to ask, oh, you know, they're going to think I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, they're going to think I'm bothering them. And then mm -hmm. as you get into the industry and maybe you become the editor or you become the project manager, then you realize that all those fears you had are totally unfounded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would happen. so much rather have someone ask me, ahead of time then have to fix it later. Yeah, they happen all the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that I really learned from you, Sean, was the number of people who want to work on an RPG product versus the number of people who actually come in and, like, finish their contribution mm -hmm. to a thing is, uh, uh, like, that ratio is kind of abysmal. Yeah. Um, and so it helps if you're upfront. It is a thing that... I know I've dealt with, Sean, I'm sure you've dealt with, where someone says, well, I, this is more work than I thought, and I can't actually finish this at this time because mm -hmm. I'm new and I didn't know what to budget. It's like, hey, that's great. Next time you will, right. and we can plan more ahead for that. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, finding out the, on the due date, that's no good. <laughs> no. no bueno. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, anything else that you want to say in terms of working on a team, working on big projects, uh, anything like that? Yeah, th I think we need, like you said, there's a lot of advice out there about getting started, and we tend to think of it as siloed, right? Like, go write a blog, go put something on the DMs Guild, go yada yada. Um, there are more and more collaborative projects mm -hmm. happening. Uh, they're happening all the time on the DMs Guild. They're happening all the time in discords. They're happening all the time on message boards and things like that. Uh, people should definitely go find those groups if they're interested in getting involved and, and helping and consider like rather than writing an adventure and putting it on the DMs Guild as your first thing, if like find somebody who's putting out a collection of magic items and contribute a couple of magic items to that, right? Sure. Um, because I think there are ways, there are many paths to writing and designing games. And if one way is to get linked up with people who already have some idea of what they're doing, um, that's a great way to do it too. Uh, so if you've always like wanted to do this and you're like, oh, I really don't have the time to do all of these roles we talked about, but I do have the time to do one, or I do think I would be a great editor, or I do think I would 
I have time to draw one thing, mm -hmm. but not a whole product's worth of things. Reach out and, and find these places um, and uh, and let them know you're willing to work as part of a team because uh, we need you. Yep. And on Facebook, there are many groups dedicated to the DMs mm -hmm. Guild. There's creators. There's fan clubs. Uh, there's the main mm -hmm. DMs Guild uh, group. All of those always have people who are looking to collaborate, looking uh, to join a group to create. So you can go to those, as James said. And Absolutely. with that, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to our uh, patrons who make this show happen. Uh, James, where can find where can find people? Where could people find you <laughs> on the Internet? Uh, so people can find me at worldbuilderblog.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at James Intercasso and at don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. So as mm -hmm. we always do, James, on this Down With D&D podcast, I am going to ask you, what are we going to do now? We are going to go kill some producers. Yes. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. 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 I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me.